hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Thank you for tuning into Dear 4AM Friend. If you are one of my friends and you're continuing to listen or have chosen to listen to my podcast, I appreciate you. You know I love you. If you're someone new that I don't know at all, I love you too. Thank you so much for taking a chance on my podcast. I... If you listen to episode one, you'll know that this is a very new and fresh venture for me, something definitely out of my comfort zone. So I appreciate you giving me a chance and I hope to improve with every episode. So if you have any feedback or comments, please feel free to email me at dear4amfriend at gmail.com and that's four with the number four and everything else spelled out. Okay, without further ado, we're going to actually hop back in to this episode. So this episode is going to be a bit of a darker topic, but I hope that I put it into a way that ends positively. So if this starts to become a little too dark or a little too triggering, please feel free to skip or skip towards the end because I promise I'm going to end this on a positive note because this is really about my journey dealing with my biggest fear and how I have mostly overcome it. I don't think you ever completely overcome your fear, but you learn to come to peace with it. And I'll talk through how I did that with my biggest fear. So this is something pretty new to me because I don't really talk about this with anybody. Some people, some really close people in my life might know what my biggest fear is or was, but I have not really sat down and talked through that with anyone because for a long time it was a really difficult topic for me to talk about because it was that scary to me. So I'm going to start off with the story because this this fear goes back way into my childhood. So when I was really, really young, I would say definitely eight or nine, I think. I think there's a point in your childhood where you start to learn more. And it's often said knowledge is a big root of fear. Because as a baby, you don't know much than you're hungry or you're sleepy or you're tired, right? And so you cry because of that. But the concept of true fear is born from gaining knowledge and learning more about the world around you. And that is something that I think is really crucial to the human experience. So when I was eight or nine is when I'm starting to gain more knowledge about the world and the events and things that can happen around me. And I think it was the idea of, honestly, nuclear warfare that really started getting my mind hyperactively overthinking. So if I've already got an overthinking mind, then this is this is just probably not the best thing for me to dive into. So I started coming to terms with the concept of dying and death. So here I think is a good time for me to put in a trigger warning. If you are really fearful of this and you don't like to listen to this part of it, as I mentioned earlier, please feel free to skip uh, towards the end. But I promise I will make this 
come to a much more positive conclusion, I hope, because this will be my journey with this topic. And I also want to make a point that this is my personal story and my personal experience with this fear. And I don't think I'm alone in having this fear. I know that there are probably many people out there that face death at a very different way and in a very different level because for whatever reason, it could be that they're facing a terminal illness, they're facing some other really terrifying experience that I can't put into words. And if that is the case, and if you are one of those people, I don't want you to feel like I'm speaking for you. I'm not. This is just my personal journey. I I will not even begin to broach what that looks like um, for your end. So that's just a quick note, a quick disclaimer. But if you still want to listen and continue on, uh, then here goes. So when it came to things like nuclear warfare and the idea of death becomes, becoming so instantaneous, it really started to dawn upon me, what is death? Like, what does that feel like? And so what would happen is I would go to sleep and my mind would start wandering. I'd be like, oh my gosh, it's like closing my eyes and never waking up. And this, this idea just, it, it was so daunting. It was like creeping up on me. It was like a, it's like a poisonous gas that creeps up on me while I'm laying in bed. And as you can imagine, that made sleeping very difficult. And sometimes what would happen is I would scream out loud. And like, that's the only way that I can bring myself into reality almost because when I go down that path, it's like falling down into a deep, dark, endless hole for me. And it, it just, the, the skies and everything is like closing in on me. So that's how I'd feel. And so the way I would come out of it is I would, I would actually call it for my mom. Um, and, and it was, it's the way that I break that thought. And, and I, and it, it's, it's, it's just an in, um, it's just an instinct that I say it. It's not something that I think about. It's, it's just what I see, uh, say it out loud. And this, you know, generally my mom had never like heard me do that, but there was one time where I was simply just sitting in a car. My mom is driving us somewhere and I remember exactly where we were. We were actually just a couple feet away from the temple, our local temple that we go to. And this idea, again, my mind starts going down the pit. I'm falling, I'm falling. So I scream out for my mom and she ha she stops the car. Like she stops the car in the middle of the road and she whips her head around because she's driving and, and like I, her child has just like screamed out loud and thrown everything off kilter. Like what's going on? And I remember saying this and, and she was like, oh my God, like, and I don't exactly remember what she said to me then, but later this happened again when I was going to sleep and I had screamed out loud again and she woke up and she, she was just like, she, I remember her words to me were, Melanie, you cannot live life thinking about that because you you'll just remain thinking about that. And that was enough for me to to calm down in that moment. But you know, it it never stopped. 
Like there were so many times where I could be in the safest space. Like I'm just showering or I'm just sitting around or I'm going to bed again. Oftentimes that's the place this happens is that, that, that I fall back into the pit. I'm falling, I'm falling and I scream out for my mom. Even now when I live alone, that's the way I break my cycle. This, this happened a lot. I can't even think how many times this happened, how many times this would really cause me to go paralyzed. Like I just would freeze and I I don't know how to deal with it. And as you can imagine, talking about that was very difficult because I, I couldn't voice it without my brain going back into that hole. And actually, I'm so surprised right now. And this, I think, is a testament to myself about how far I've come because I'm having this conversation. I'm recording this podcast and I'm not in the pit. I'm standing firmly where I am, speaking this without any issues. And for that, I'm really proud of myself because I did not think I would be here. But here we are. So I'm glad I've come this far. So we need to probably discuss what changed. Why am I able to speak so freely now and not be in this pit and not be falling and freaking out over this concept of what does it feel like? And that's the thing. It wasn't like, oh, I'm doing something risky. What if I, you know, face some untimely death, like, how would I be? No, that was, that was never it. It was just like, day to day living life. Like, uh, what if I can't wake up and do this life? And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe I loved my life so much. Maybe that was why and I didn't want to let go of it. Like I was gripping onto it so strongly. I, I don't know. But that's, that's rough. Because you know, I'm not even doing anything to cause that sort of anxiety. I'm just living life and I don't want to lose that moment. So when I'm savoring like happiness or I'm savoring something good in my life, I'm worried. I'm worried about what if I lose this good thing? What if I lose it? And and I think that is what led me to have that fear and and then not being able to come to terms with not having my consciousness and when I because I I think I I prided my consciousness a lot I I love having control over my thoughts and I think that right there was the biggest point is control and I think that's central to this entire podcast is my obsession with having control control over my life and control of everything that happens around me and this concept of death that's not something I could control that is something so out of my control it is so out of I lose control at that moment and the idea of that was simply terrifying and how I went day to day like it was like I was living with this fear constantly it was lurking behind everything and that is no way to live (laughs) I learned soon enough so we need to discuss what changed and the thing is I don't think there's one specific thing there are a series of events that I think happened in my life that made the difference so 
I'm going to try my best to go in chronological order, though I will say some of these dates and timelines get a little um, messy in my head. So there might be some overlap, so it might not be perfectly chronological, but for the most part, I think I've captured it. So the first thing is the religious aspect. So I am a Hindu, um, but I really, I think it's better for me to say maybe even spiritual aspect. I don't like to really consider myself a super religious person um, because I don't know whose standards I'm meeting to be a religious person. Um, I am a Hindu by birth and so I'm a Hindu and uh, there are, I have learned some parts of it and I have adopted some parts of it in my life and I am right now staring at the figurines that I have of Hindu gods in front of me and I have opinions about it but I don't know if I meet and I don't know what standard of religiousness that I meet. So I really much prefer to consider myself a very spiritual person. Um, there are certain things in a spiritual way that I believe in and there may be overlaps of that with my um, religion that I was born into. So spiritually and at the time, like there is a God in my culture, Shiva. And he is considered the destroyer. Like that is, that is the title that is often given to Lord Shiva. And so in many ways, destroyer means like destroyer of life or causing the end to life, right? But he's a god. So one of the things that I learned through some of these religious Sunday schools that I went to was the idea of how that is not, not an ugly thing, right? Like, Destroying is ending. Endings make for new beginnings. And so this idea of him being the destroyer was not a negative, negative connotation. And that that was the first step, I guess, in making me start to think, um, making me start to think, OK, maybe maybe there is something else to this concept of death. Like There is maybe something else that that I need to think about. Um, there was a story that um, that I remember of. In, and I don't remember exactly the names of this, but it is like, you know, it's one of those like religious stories that were taught when we we're growing up. And they probably had those like comic books about it as well that I probably read. But basically, there's a child who is born to his parents um, and he was supposed to die at the age of 18. And then he prays and prays to Lord Shiva and through to his 18th birthday when the god of death comes to take him um, and Shiva comes in and steps in between. And the idea is like he was praying to this figure of Lord Shiva. He hugs onto Lord Shiva as the, the god of death comes who uses his lasso to pull the child and the figurine of Shiva. And Shiva comes to life out of this figurine and says, are you going to take me too? And in that way, he protects this child and this child is so devoted to him. So what I think that subconsciously did to me is made me become a huge devotee. And that I listened to these songs and, and, and the Pudgeons and Kirtans, which are sort of songs of, of Lord Shiva and that there was, you know, in these, some of these Kirtans, I remember there would be references to death being welcomed to be able to be reunited with God. And that's that's just, I guess, the, 
a concept in, in Hinduism. And again, I'm not claiming to be a scholar of Hinduism. This is what I grew up learning. So if you believe something else, please don't come for me. I am absolutely not telling you what to believe in. I, this is just what I grew up believing and learning, let's say. I don't even know believing. It's just what I grew up learning and it just helped me at that point in time. So, you know, I started realizing when I started getting scared, I started listening to this one specific kirtan that I very much, I remember so clearly and, and that helped. So I'm listening and that, that helps me and that calms me down. And eventually there came a point where I witnessed death. This is probably a topic for another podcast someday, ways down the road. But yes, I have witnessed death and um, yeah, someone has died in my arms. It's not pleasant, but uh, that is something that did happen. And I think that really brought me face to face with this concept of death. I can't really explain too much about it, but yes, I did hear the last breath of life of someone very dear to me in my arms, right? And that is, that is definitely a transformative moment. Um, and probably, probably something that I think impacted me and made me think more. So during that period of time, after I was reeling from that trauma, I started watching Harry Potter a ton. Like, that was just my comfort. And in that is where I found one of my lessons that really, really transformed my relationship with my fear. More to come on that in just a brief second. So we're back. As I was saying, watching Harry Potter helped me come to terms with my fear of dying. So let's dive into it. Specifically, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. There is a story about the three brothers. Now, for those of you who are familiar with Harry Potter um, and remember this story, you may already know what happens, but for those who might not have watched it, I'll summarize the story. So there are three brothers and they're crossing a bridge. They meet death on this bridge and death in his own con gives them each a wish. So the eldest brother wishes for complete power and to never be able to be destroyed with this power and the and death gives him the elder wand which is symbol that which gives him ultimate power for the second brother he wished to see his loved ones and bring people back to life and so death gave him the resurrection stone and with the third brother the third brother was a bit smarter and asked death for a way 
to hide from him. And for that, Death reluctantly gave over a piece of his own cloth that he was wearing that the third brother could use, which is called the Invisibility Cloak, to hide from Death. And so these three brothers then went about their way, which their each of their wishes fulfilled. The eldest brother, power basically got to his head, made a lot of enemies, and one of those enemies stole his wand and was able to kill him. The second brother um, tried to bring back to life somebody who he loved, and she ended up being very unhappy in this world. And she no longer wanted to be in this world and that made him face misery again and the third brother the third brother hid away from death used his invisibility cloak to hide from death until he reached a certain age where he passed along the cloak to his son and greeted death like an old friend so this story to you may mean nothing and you may derive different lessons from it. From But for me, in a weird way, it struck a chord in me, especially that part about greet death like an old friend. Greeting death like an old friend. What a way for me to think about death. I may not have an invisibility cloak um, certainly not one that can hide away from death I don't think can be made in this lifetime or in this world but the idea that I can attempt to continue to live my life hide away quote-unquote from death by maybe not taking extremely risky actions that will obviously result in in greeting death but but welcoming death like an old friend that that was that was a point that maybe I could develop that mindset sorry for that noise um as you can tell I do not edit my podcast this is raw this is unedited so you will hear all these ridiculous ringtones in the background as well so I've silenced it I'm sorry but that was forgotten Especially at such a critical juncture of my journey dealing with this fear. So, how rude. Anyway. So, I I started really thinking about that. And eventually, a couple years ago, on my birthday, I got my first tattoo. And it ended up being the symbol of the Deathly Hallows. So, whenever people see my tattoo, they're always like oh, either, it's always the same reaction. It's either, oh, um, people don't know what it is or, oh, cool, I recognize that. But, you know, why? Like, am I such a nerd that I love to just tattoo myself with Harry Potter um, tattoos? No, I mean, I love Harry Potter and I don't care if that makes me a nerd or whatever other, you know, notation you want to give to that. But it, it has such a personal and deep meaning. And now, for those of you who might have wondered, now you know why. It helped me conquer my fear. Because every time I start to have that feeling creep up on me, I turn and I look at my wrist where I have my tattoo. And, and this is something that I 
try to do without fail because it helps ground me. It, it brings me back out of the hole and it, it helps me calm down. It helps me settle because I'll look at my wrists and I'm like, remember the story. Maybe, maybe my reasoning out of the story is a stretch or maybe you don't get it, but it works for me. And, and it really made me think. So that was kind of the next step in me coming to terms with this fear. Then I really got to thinking about the why. Why am I so crippled by this fear? Because the thing is, it's inevitable. Every single person has to face it. Whether it's now, it's 10 years from now, or 50 years from now. We, as humans, we have not figured out a way to just live forever yet. And, and honestly, honestly, I don't know how much I necessarily want to live forever. Maybe my mind will change when I'm like 50. I don't know. But, but it's inevitable. As of what we know right now about the life and a human life, it is inevitable. Um, and it may come to us at different points in life. So let's, let's you know, take a step back. Remember, think back to when I said I witnessed death, right? Witnessed death of a loved one in my arms. And I thought about it. And there were so many people, you know, around me who would tell me when they were trying to comfort me. He lived his life um, as he wanted. He lived his life as he wanted. And it was supposed to be a comfort. You know why? Because it means that whatever time he had on this earth, he maximized. He maximized to live how he wanted. So that got me thinking. I was like, okay, that's something, right? That That means that if I love life so much, and that is why I'm so scared of death, because I have to let it go, then why the heck am I spending all my time crippled in fear when I should be loving life so much that I want to maximize it and I want to be happy? I don't want to spend a single second wasted away being paralyzed in this fear that I forget to value this time because that end point, what I fear, that's inevitable. But what is in my control, what is actually in my control is what I make of this second, what I make of this moment. And if I'm wasting away that moment, being crippled by fear, then that is one second lost in the way I love my life. So I'm taking basically the reasoning of why I'm scared and sort of turning that box and looking at it a different way. Instead of looking at it the way of, oh my gosh, I'm going to be scared. I'm going to fall into this fear because I'm scared to let go of this beautiful thing called life. Instead of thinking of it that way, I think about it the other way, where if I, I do love life so much, so let me make the most of it by not giving into this fear. That perspective and mindset shift made a huge difference. Now, I do want to put a caveat here, and I don't think this is something that I'm going to dive in at all into this episode, and it really might be something that comes way, 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 way down the road. But dep depression and anxiety, these, these are really heavy topics that can impact our mindset and so the answer is not as straightforward as the story that I have just said and I have been impacted 
by these items. <laughs> um, but I think that, that that in and of itself might be a separate podcast. And it could be something cool that, that I could just... Uh, sorry, hold on. Those two things are not cool, okay? I mean, like, it would be interesting for me to maybe have that discussion with a guest on my podcast or perhaps one of you all who'd like to write in or talk about it. But I think that that might be something that I'm going to save for a different podcast because that is that is in and of itself a chapter or two. But for now, we're going to put that aside because despite that, I think the this line of reasoning still helps me today. So I've come to terms with my fear of loss of control and for enjoying the moment. But now I want to point out something, which is my anxiety when I fly. So on the flight, and this is something that honestly has come to me in the last like two to three years, is when turbulence hits, oh my god, I am in some other like universe of having panic. I've, I've been working on it. It's been getting better, really focusing on breathing and just honestly holding my hand to my heart and just feeling my heartbeat and helping me breathe a bit better. But, and there's a variety of other tactics. We can talk about that again later. But something that I realized is like in that moment when I'm in that panic zone and I'm like, oh my God, falls out of the sky. What do I do? And, and I'm, oh my gosh, I have to come to terms with this in that moment. And the first thing that crosses my mind is, oh my God, I haven't done everything I wanted to in my life. Mainly, I haven't found love. And now you may recall the prior episode that I discussed of being single. But yeah, that's the first thought that pops into my head. The thing is, instead of equating my fear to the things that I have not done in my life, I try to detach these two items. So as you might have heard from my prior episode, finding love, that's a separate topic. It is for me a separate topic. I don't need to equate that with like a thing that I need to get done in my life. I need to learn to find my happiness in that. And so I'm happy right now. So now when that panic hits, honestly, that's not the first thing that crosses my mind anymore, which is progress. Perhaps it is a second or third thing, okay? Like, we're working on it. Um, but but it's not the first thing anymore because I've learned to be content in my life. So the way I started thinking about it, and maybe this is morbid, I don't know, but I don't think it is. I think it is a healthy way to think about it, perhaps. Maybe I'll change my mind later. But to me, it's healthy. Is every time I think to myself, if life were to stop for me right now, I want to know that I am happy in my life. I never want to be at a point where if I am faced with this old friend that I talked about, that I, I'm like, I have not done everything. I have not lived my life to the fullest up to this point. Every single day, I'm going to only strive for me to be happy and feel fulfilled and feel joy. Because you never know when your old friend greets you. So, and I don't ever want to have a feeling of unhappiness. There will be things that I won't, I won't get to do, right? Like there may be things that I don't meet. 
I want to go see the Grand Canyon. I still haven't seen the Grand Canyon yet. But I'm not going to make that a conditional. Instead, my conditional is this. Am I happy? Every second is valuable to that. And that is the one question that I ask myself. If I have to greet my old friend death, will I be able to say, whatever the matter is, even if I don't want to go now, am I happy in this moment? And that somewhere deep inside gives me a small peace of mind. So the last bit that really made a difference to me was a video by Devin Supertramp on YouTube. He makes a lot of incredible um, travel videos. And there is one video which has a motivational speaker on in the background. Highly recommend to watch this video. It really, really changed my life. Um, because there is this one phrase that he speaks in it this motivational speaker. And it was, when you die on your gravestone, there will be two dates and a dash in between. Make sure that dash isn't empty. That, that changed my life again, because once again, I, I asked myself, my God, if I am going to have that second number be on my gravestone, no matter what, then by gosh, I want to live the best life possible and I'm going to enjoy every second of it. It is one thing to live the best life you want and one thing to live the best life, best life you want. There is a difference between life and living. Life is the, is the event. It's the span. To live it means to be present in it, to enjoy every single moment of it rather than keep looking at life as just an external third party. Be in it. Be present in it. This was important because when I succumb to my fear, I'm not present in it. I'm looking at life from a top view. I'm just looking at it like an event. I'm detached from it. But, but by doing that, I'm succumbing to my fear and I'm not living it. And to live means to be present. And to be present means to put aside my fear and live it dis despite that fear. Because of every second that I remain crippled, I am thinking negatively, not enjoying life. And I'm doing everything out of fear. But I want to do things out of joy. I want to do things out of me being happy. And for me to do that, I need to live in spite of fear. That is something I had to tell myself. I was like, you need to, you need to think about this. Like, what is this doing to you? Is this serving you? Because that fear is not going to go away. But I'm going to learn to live in spite of it. I need to accept it, then live in spite of it. And one, one last thing, maybe I said last thing before, but this, this is my real one last thing that really helped me was a podcast that I was listening to about how we go back to the earth as we decompose. Sorry, this might be a gory little detail, but hear me out, right? We go back to the earth when we decompose 
and you know it, you know provided like that's how we want to get buried or whatever and in a weird way that was really beautiful to me because if we come from the same combination of atoms and whatever elements that make up what we see around us except for okay whatever synthetic created materials but you know what I don't want to hear the random caveats. We come with from the same organic matter that comes around us. And it is so beautiful to me that you it's a cycle. You're you're born from it, you die into it, you give back to the earth. And that is just the cycle of life. And that is the cycle of it's it's a the working of the world around us and I get to be a part of it you're born alone you die alone you hear that all the time and you're born alone from from the, the matter around us and that connects us to this matter and then you die alone but you give back to the matter around us and and that's okay and that that's nice at least something good is happening is the way I thought about it so in a weird way that helped me that last one might not make sense to a lot of people, and that's cool, okay? That's what 4 a.m. topics are for. You don't always have to make it make sense. You just need to be able to listen. So this, these are some of the ways that I faced this, this fear of dying. And progress report. Um, well, one, as I mentioned earlier, I'm sitting here and I'm making a podcast about it, and I've talked about it for 37 minutes. So if I can do that, I'd like to safely say that I've made a great amount of progress. Secondly, there are still tough moments. There are still times when I scream out for my mom or I look at my wrist and I am grounded. And the thing is, every time I'm like, me thinking about this is every second I'm not living life. And that that right there is the one thing I can control. And so I keep focusing on that and just I keep going. And, and here we are, we're living life, we're making podcasts after coming up with an idea one day, and just diving into it, we're getting better every day, we're trying to grow every day, and um, I've got a lot that I want to do this year, and me thinking about the inevitable isn't going to help me do what I want in a year, me just doing things without thinking about it is the only way that I can be driven by hope because at the end of the day hope is what drives life the minute you get devoid of all hope you've already greeted your old friend so I have to have hope I have to that is the one thing I tell myself every day as long as I have hope I have hope to do something better I have hope for the next day I have hope for the next year that in and of itself will help me drive out fear and focus on what I can make of every moment, every precious moment that I have on this world. So that's everything that I had for this episode. I appreciate anybody who tuned in and listened to this end. I would love it if you left a comment or sent in an email um, again, feel free to email me any questions, any advice that you need. 
let's talk about it. And uh, thanks everyone for listening. Talk to you later. Bye.